Welcome to Transform Now, the podcast brought to you by robotic process automation pioneer, Blue Prism. Digital transformation has the potential to reshape the way companies service their customers, engage their employees, and manage their operations. Whether you're looking to develop strategies, tactics, and best practices to positively impact the future of work, or you're curious to learn how other companies have successfully navigated their digital transformation programs, then this podcast is for you. We're here to help you transform now. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm happy to have as my guest, Johnny Remendino, the CEO of Invoke, a Blue Prism Delivery and Technology Alliance partner. Johnny and I will be discussing how Invoke is helping companies build and thrive their intelligent automation capability. Johnny, thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't you start us off with an introduction? Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. So a little bit about myself. So my uh, background comes in the consulting space. I've spent 15, 20 years, not to date myself, in the consulting space, working for large multinational organizations. And really that part of my journey started out with really thinking about kind of these large software applications and how we could implement on a global basis ERP solutions for these organizations to transform their business. And uh, ultimately that culminated into us transforming into an outsourcing organization, taking on the operations and execution of the software and a lot of the business processes. That's really where uh, my passion for process re-engineering and optimization and ultimately automation started to come to reality because I started to realize the pain points and the difficulties that organizations faced after implementing all this technology, right? I mean, think about you know, I felt so good installing these great technologies. And then I started to learn how people had to operate on them. And I'm like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. It takes so much time and effort. And so my passion started absolutely forming at that point around how do I, how do we do this better? How do we go smarter, faster? So really that, that propelled me into kind of a second phase of my career where for the last 10 years or so, I've really been focused on how do we innovate on work orchestration and how do we ultimately automate a lot of it because a lot of unfortunate situation we find ourselves in is that we are all doing a lot of robotic work these days uh, in the workforce. And so how do we get out of that and get back to some of the human to human interactions? So that's my background. Awesome. And Johnny, I noticed that you got your college education in Brussels. Are you Belgian by birth? Yes, I am. I am. I think my accent um, hides it well, but I was born in <laughs> Belgium. Uh, my last name is Italian, so I come from Italian heritage. I always tell uh, everybody that most Italians moved from Italy to New York, and my family just stopped on the way to Belgium, just never left. So we just yeah. didn't make full track out. So I'm a second-generation Italian and obviously an immigrant in the U.S. as well. So you speak three languages at least, I'm assuming. Yes, not very well, but uh, <laughs> I do. Uh, you know, at this point, Flemish is my natural language, my first language. English, of course, and then really where we live and Belgium is so small, you're very close to France and even half the mm -hmm. country of Belgium speaks French. So you're obligated to at least know enough to get by. And then we live very close to Germany. So growing up, German was a big influence for me. So those are some oh. of the closer languages. I, I am terrible at all Italian and Spanish, unfortunately, but I do my best. Okay. So tell us about Invoke. How did it come into existence? And what would you say you guys are all about? Yeah, we, we looked at this journey that I was telling you about earlier in my career, and we started to realize that 
organizations are really transforming or having to transform from an industrial age to a digital age. And there's been a lot of hype around really going to this digital transformation. But for us, what that meant was that work orchestration would change. How work is being done changes. And there are two fundamental pillars in our view that allow that work to be changed. One of them is the organizational structure, the organism of a company itself, right? And we're still very much today in a very industrialized viewpoint of that. We have departments like HRIT and finance and procurement, right? Legal, these are all your know, formats that come from an industrial age that ultimately we have to rethink how we organize ourselves in, in that organism. And then the second part is how we apply technology to, to perform work execution. And so our focus is less around the restructuring of the organization, but more so around how do you leverage technology? And fundamentally, we realized that an enormous amount of technology is becoming easier to consume and cost-effective to consume in a, a wide variety, variety of organizations, which is fantastic. And so we wanted to help organizations be able to adopt these technologies to speed up the level of innovation. And our realization was that these technologies become easier uh, to consume for small to medium to large organizations, but there's an explosion of the number of solutions that are out there. And so organizations are facing a really difficult time. They have this massive amount of actual work happening. There's not really a lot of time on a day-to-day -day basis to perform their work, yet they have to stay up to date on all these technology and understand the differences between them. And then they have to figure out a way to easily consume them to innovate. So that's a, a challenge that most organizations find themselves in. And we, we thought this is the perfect place for us to be to really help accelerate that adoption. What would you say excites you the most about being the CEO of a consulting firm in this space? It's a good question. Fundamentally, what is absolutely fantastic for us is that we create these partnerships with our customers and it allows us to really work with them hand in hand on their business, not even challenges, opportunities, I would say. And to have this long-term relationship where we continue to work with them and innovate on what they're doing. And the excitement for us there is that we don't only see challenges that are tactical, but they're really strategic, right? That help organizations just transform their business, think about new ways that they can go to market or even think about new markets that they can enter into. And also think about fundamentally as an organization, hey, we have opportunities that we just couldn't execute um, on before because it was you know, too expensive or just humanly not possible because there wasn't enough people to even get to that stage. And every day we find situations with our customers where these type of opportunities lead to what I would call new market defining solutions. And that's really exciting for us. We get very much riled up whenever that happens and it happens quite often. Johnny, what skills do you think are critical for your customers to have in order to have a digital workforce and, and to use that to automate a growing number of business processes? So I think there is a lot of lack of skill or lack of understanding that really needs to be massaged within organizations around how do we communicate? It's, it sounds very simple, but how do we communicate what we're trying to do? Oftentimes there's reservation because there's a bit of an unknown. We don't really know where we're going or how much impact it has. And oftentimes that leads that you know, downstream to a lot of the uh, unwanted results, right? We did this as a skunk work as opposed to part of a bigger strategy, or we've thought very tactically 
And now, you know, as a result, maybe we've let people go because we've done something, but we didn't really tell people about it. Now everybody fears it. But, mm-hmm. but fundamentally, more often than not, that's not even the case. And so I think communication is a really big challenge. And that would be number one. I think the other skill that I think is important for our customers and that we find is still developing is a true understanding of how this intelligent automation space can transform the organization and where it actually fits in the organization. And you've seen this in, in, in just our brief history. We've seen businesses starting to use automation as a way to avoid a go to IT. Oh, IT takes too long to do this. I need something myself and go do this. From then leveraging the IT footprint to own that and manage it and be the sponsor of that to ultimately, you know, trying to figure out this, is this a separate organization? Is it part of a digital strategy? Where does it belong? Is it a one division? Does everybody get to, get their own capabilities? That, that place in the organization and where does this uh, innovation actually fits is still very much a bit of up in the air, I think, at this stage. You know, every company works a little bit different. Product companies will maybe, you know, organize themselves that way easier versus services companies. But I think fundamentally, there's a gap there that needs to be um, closed for sure. Johnny, you talked about solutions that are being built by Invoke and other companies in the realm of intelligent automation. And one of those that Invoke has developed is called Aria. Tell us what that's about. What does that provide to your customers? And also explain the name. I assume that's an acronym. So maybe you could tell us what that stands for. So we've been uh, a little bit unique in a sense that day one, we were a consulting company, but we immediately started doing managed services and hosting and support for everything that we did. So we, mm-hmm. we designed with our customers, so we implemented it, and then we actually managed it for them in all the facets that maybe an internal organization would do. And that brought in a lot of positive and a lot of challenges for us. But what it really did, it helped us understand, you know, really what it takes to, to go from point A to point B, right? And so that was important for us. And so very quickly, we started to realize that the more you automate your business, the more you leverage these intelligent automation solutions, the more you start to get a fragmented approach of the tool set and the technology that are used that need to be stitched together. And so we wanted to have a single approach to how do you speed up adoption, simplify maintenance, and accelerate the pace of innovation. And so Aria is really a platform that we use to harmonize these intelligent automation technologies. You could call it in an in, in IA adoption platform, right? Uh-huh. It really is intended, how do you make it easy to think it across many automation solutions and then start to think about how do you drive, use that in your organization? It, it does have an acronym. It actually points back to the musical side where it's a solo vocal piece that you use in an opera. But what it really stands for is Advanced Robotics and Intelligent Automation, right? That's our, our acronym that we came up with. And it, it serves two purposes, because if you go back from what Invoke stands for, we want to speed up the pace of innovation. And you can do that in one of two ways. Uh, With ARIA, you do that by either deploying ARIA, which allows organizations to start making it easier for both the supporting group, let's say the development group or the IT group to manage all these technologies, as well as the business group to then be able to have some level of control over the execution and visibility, the human in the loop capabilities when exceptions handle and so forth, alerting. So there's that so that you can say, okay, now how do I really 
provide automation in a consistent manner across many technologies. So that's one use case. I want to build these things myself and I want to speed up the ability to deploy these things, these automations, these processes, and I want to do so across many technology stacks. That's right. one approach for ARIA. The other approach is really, how do I start from ground zero and build an end-to-end -end solution as fast as humanly possible? And so we use ARIA to build use cases, right? To say, okay, everybody needs invoice processing and everybody would like invoice processing to be automated. Then we built that in ARIA and it's done. And now we can go to customers and say 80, 90% of your work is done. And we click it on and we configure your business rules and connect to your systems and we're done, right? So the acceleration of that is really what ARIA is about. How do we speed up the process? of innovation and automation. And tell us how customers get access to ARIA. Yeah, there's a few ways. <clears throat> there are the predominant way where customers who have their own um, automation program, they will typically uh, consume ARIA through a cloud environment. They're either on-premise, private cloud, or cloud uh, solutions to ARIA, and then we're done, right? So that's a very uh, common way for customers to get started. They have maybe some RPA, OCR, NLP, whatever the tools of the day are. We connect to those and now they've got a platform to harmonize it and deploy solutions around. And then the second way that we deploy ARIA is in this use case manner that we talk about. We've packaged that up. We've put that actually on our Amazon marketplace and customers will go just there and buy purchase order processing or cash application as a service. And they purchase it there and they get their, their solution It gets connected to their environment and they can start running the process after, after we configure their business rules. So those are the two predominant ways that customers. Okay. Very interesting. You mentioned some of the, as a service solutions that you've developed, like purchase orders, cash applications. What, what are some other processes that you've developed as a service that you're now out offering through ARIA, as you described? Yeah, good question. So what we're finding is every time when we look at a process, we're trying to come together, what do you need in order to automate a business process? And there's, you know, certain main criteria, right? You have to meet the ability to ingest data, you know, apply business rules, update systems, have reporting, right? And so the idea is that we have a framework with ARIA to put together any type of process into that model, right? And then what we find is that every specific process may have some nuances, right? So like, cash applications, uh, you may need to be able to look at side-by-side -side information about cash you received and open invoices you got and how to match them up. And so that requires a, a custom user interface, if you will, to do that. And so every one of these processes have slight variations. So we've done a lot of uh, processes that are document-based. For example, we've done obviously the, the invoices and purchase orders that we talked about, but we also have provided solutions around batch record processing. So when you think about life sciences, when they go into the manufacturing process and they need to go and document how they create and produce a drug, then they have a batch record and we digitize that batch record. Now the audit team and quality team can see all of the data that was there, everything that was extracted from the batch record and they can start to audit the process, right? That's one example. Another example has been within the uh, medical uh, side and in, in, in prescription drugs. A lot of specialty uh, drug enrollments require specialized forms and you need to have signatures and authorization. And so that's again, handwritten form that, that people have to submit. And guess what? People then have to go and, you know, validate the data around that extracted and keyed in the system. So ARIA then gets used to get all that data out of those forms, allow for a nice side-by-side -side view against that and be able to automate the processing in any of the downstream systems. So those are some of the document-based processes. And now we're looking, we started working probably and more of a horizontal solutions like uh, document redaction 
And so you could do redacting uh, certain types of documents and that could be then a service and you can you know, pipe a lot of content through that. So really uh, the framework for ARIA allows us to build these processes and we've deployed probably, you know, we're not thinking about this point, we're at, at, at 10 or so processes that we've already uh, provided as a service. Do you think this is a trend that will continue, that you'll continue to find more and more processes to automate that you can offer through this, through this vehicle? I think so. I have a cheeky name for it as well. I call it service as a software. Well, I really think it's the direction where I would like the market to go, where instead of buying SaaS solutions that provide you the software where you do the work, why wouldn't you buy a SaaS solution that does the work for you? seems very logical that would be the case. And only exception basis, you get asked to do something as opposed to you get the software and now you have to do a lot of work. And so that concept of service as a software, we're trying to expand on that, obviously package maybe a bunch of things together for a finance bundle or whatever, uh, right. to really make sure that people can take advantage of it. But absolutely, we see hundreds of use cases. And when we talk to other companies in, in this field, even other consulting companies, they've already built assets around it and we're partnering with them to say, hey, let's go deploy them as a service. Hmm. And, and there's a few fundamental reasons why we think it's something that will continue to grow simply because adopting that technology takes time, effort, energy away from the business. <clears throat> IT has a lot of things to do. There's a lot of initiatives, companies are, are divesting, they're adding new systems, they're upgrading, there's tons of um, investment that's being made. Having these finite processes being tinkered with, this is not always something that, that there's enough time in the day for. And it becomes even more challenging when you think about trying to innovate on a process when your underlying systems can't really change, right? And I want to want to talk a little bit around this to to where we are going as a market. Historically, again in the industrial age, working in your environment, if you had one ERP system and all the work was done internally, you could automate against that system. More and more of the work that you're doing in an organization actually goes outside of the boundaries of the organization. You're doing more in your partner and vendor systems and your banking systems and social media in systems that you don't control. So if more and more of the work orchestration starts to become part of the ecosystem that IT doesn't control, how do you innovate on that? How, how, do you, right. how do you automate the work orchestration? You need intelligent automation to stitch these things together. So I find that that's part of the reason why you know, this will become a trend and where we're going to do more and more of this is because our businesses are reaching way more outside than inside these days. And I think that trend is you know, doomed to be continued because that's what the market demands. Yeah, very interesting. Johnny, how has the work that you've done for customers evolved over the years from helping companies build out their own capability around automation, stand that up and sustain that to today where you have customers that are looking to you to do more of the work and possibly even support the solution? So I'll try to look at this from an evolutionary side. The build out, well, many organizations started out for the most part with robotic process automation. And there's for sure, there are some organizations maybe that started out with, you know, document understanding like optical character recognition or, or IDP. Others may have started in different areas, but for sure, a lot of the automation practices that you find have started out within the uh, robotic process automation side. And there's more and more organizations that, that have done this for a few years and I've said, hey, we've done a lot of good things and you know this is really valuable. What else is out there? And as they turn, they see, oh, the next step is looking at 15 or 20 other types of things like robotic process automation that we can now leverage because we now have accessibility to the data 
that we need to do, let's say, understanding around context for NLP mm. or decision-making with AI or all sorts of other um, fancy things that we want to build around that. And so they've now spent two, three years and they look around and say, okay, I've got now 50 new tools. That's all exciting, but I can't spend two, three years per technology, per opportunity to build that skill set. And so the opportunity that is there is to fast track them, right? How do we go from RPA to full intelligent automation day one, as opposed to doing that step-by-step step, six months after six months and build that capability. So the, that realization is leading organizations to come to us and say, listen, I love this. You become our extended arm and as quickly or as long as it takes us to build capability in certain areas, that's what it will take. We'll have you as an extension to deal with that. And for us, that's great. We love, uh, quite frankly, to give access to our customers to all of these tools and educate them and essentially merge our teams together and really work together because the additional tools that are coming out is accelerating. So by the time we've got two, three, four, and five going on, there's just 20 more that, that are around the corner, right? And so for us, it's a matter of how do we keep the sanity there? And more and more organizations are realizing Yes, we can do it ourselves for sure. And it may be a little bit more uh, cost advantage, uh, advantageous for us, but really the, the, the lost opportunity is massive. You know, time mm. is absolutely not on our side. How do we fast track the value that we get? And this is where the realization of partnering with organizations like Invoke really becomes valuable for customers. Mm, fascinating. Johnny, I know that Invoke plays heavily in the financial services and the public sector verticals. But you also do a lot of work in the supply chain area. How has that changed with the pandemic? I'm assuming there's been an uptick in supply chain automation, but tell us more. Yeah. Yeah, automation and supply chain is a hot topic, mainly because there are supply chain issues all over the world and anything that's within your control, you want to optimize and automate as much as possible so that you can just maximize this. And for each of the organizations that have to deal with either delivering goods or producing goods, there's all sorts of little elements within the entire ecosystem or process that, that do make a difference, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Early visibility, whether you have shortages or overages, early visibility and delays in delivery, tighter communication, all of these things are critical in, in, in reacting faster in customer experience in quite, quite frankly, avoiding penalties, things like that. So we've looked at from the front end side, how do we make it easier to uh, process orders? And some of that uh, has to do with even just evaluating whether an order could be processed. We have some manufacturing companies that, that took days and sometimes weeks to evaluate an order, whether it was suitable mm. to even produce. And you can imagine these, this day and age, if you do a request for an order, if you don't get an immediate feedback, you're going to, to look for another place that may be able to fulfill an order because, you know, you can't wait. And so um, shortening that ordering approval process has become very important. Uh, for us so that you know, we say, yes, you know, these type of orders, we can automatically push them through. If there's really something people need to um, investigate, then let's route it as an exception basis. The other side of that in terms of the ordering process is just the sheer transactional basis, making sure everything gets created into the backend systems and then moved into the production line, the scheduling line, the booking line. So those are components for that. And then as you move through scheduling and scheduling delivery and managing delivery with both the customers and the vendors and so on. So, and then of course, the third-party delivery logistics that come into that. So all of those pieces, um, there's tons of room for optimization. Sometimes it's as simple as just connecting two companies together, make sure that they share data, 
sometimes it's a lot more complex where it's a mesh of a network and you have to go and make sure that you can really communicate within that network. And so then you have some interesting solutions where people can, a truck driver ends up being at the place of delivery and rather than them being able to deliver, they may be waiting for five more trucks. And now mm-hmm. you know, when those five more trucks are delivered, guess what? They're going to be late and maybe that results in a penalty. So they need to immediately be able to tell people this is what the situation is. Uh, well, how do, how do you make that easy for a truck driver, right? That's mm-hmm. not staff, so you want to have some communication that's instant, that's mobile, and so on. So throughout that entire cycle, you know, from first order intake and even estimations to all the way delivery and approval and review, that's yeah. like has a lot of small pieces, if you will, that allow for, for you know, really streamlining and automation. And what we're finding is some of these things are marginal improvements. Some of these are major improvements. And what we'd like to do is we'd like to look at the end-to-end process and start really looking at what's the biggest lift for these organizations and then chip away at that. And there's definitely uh, a lot of room for value to be created. And we're seeing a lot of organizations now paying a lot of attention to that. I'll give you a really good anecdote. We had a customer that just never had to deal with a shortage of production. So, you know, there wasn't a process to deal with, hey, I'm going to give you only 80% of the actual production line. So there was no process of figuring out who gets, who gets shorted, <laughs> right? Who am I going to get right. this? Because it was <laughs> it never been an issue, right? And, and so that's not normal, but you know, some, some productions, production companies have never been in that situation as, as having a problem. Well, now that process needs to be refined, optimized, and, and certainly communication needs to be put in, uh, in the middle of that. Johnny, hmm. I've got one last question for you. What do you think the future looks like for intelligent automation? Do you have any bold predictions you'd like to make here? Oh, I'm going to hold my feet to the fire. I like it. Um, <laughs> well, so my, my core belief is that I think over the next few years, software developers and software companies are going to have a rude awakening if they don't today already are infusing and or looking at intelligent automation as a core element of their product development roadmap. And what we're seeing today, you know, there's there's pieces of that already, right? And a lot of the solutions have already embedded AI capabilities and things like that. But I, I think it goes way beyond this. And it's interesting that oftentimes when I speak with CIOs or CTOs, and when we look at the stack of plethora of solutions that are out there, robotic process automation doesn't always get the credit it deserves across all of these different things. And arguably so, there's a lot of great technologies out there and more to come. But mm-hmm. fundamentally, what I think is, is has been forgotten or what has been ignored in, in a large degree, again, from a product development roadmap perspective, is that accessibility to the data is a critical factor to get anything done. It just is, right? If you don't get, if there's not an API on the other end, then the ability for you to build a software that is a great user experience is severely limited. And so, uh, and the belief that we're going to live in an API world tomorrow just isn't true, right? It isn't true for many reasons. It's not only not true because legacy systems and products won't get upgraded fast enough. It's also not true because commercially there is absolutely reasons why not to create APIs for everybody, right? That companies are making millions of dollars because they don't have APIs. And, <laughs> and reason for companies not to do it because it, it protects them, protects the ecosystem they've built. So there's no way that's going to be happening anytime soon. And, and my prediction is that the smarter software organizations are going to be building not just RPA, but a full-fledged intelligent automation 
capabilities into their product suite. And quite frankly, I hope that they're going to be building that as part of the core development cycle, not just a, a, a active thought, which oftentimes today is the case. So that's my bold prediction. Very good. Johnny, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing with us about Invoke and how you're helping companies in their intelligent automation journey in such an entrepreneurial way, I might add. You guys are definitely a highly valued partner of Blue Prism. So I appreciate you spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in to Transform Now. For more insightful discussions on digital transformation and more, check out our podcast channel where you'll find all of our previous episodes. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And if you like what you heard, please leave us a review. For more information about digital transformation and the future of work, check out blueprism.com to learn how Blue Prism's digital workforce is enabling enterprise transformation now.